We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13.
Hey, good morning, Grinders. This is Dan Gasper. Uh, go by the username Mr. Tuttle 5 across the DFS industry. And I'm here with the Wednesday edition of the pregame show. Uh, what we do on the show is we go over last night's action, take a look at our results database tool, uh, take a look at some ownership, some uh, see what took down tournaments last night, and then we'll take a little bit of a forward look at tonight's uh, just a six-game slate for Wednesday. Tonight's six-game slate. Uh, so not a ton, ton to go over, but if you have any questions, as always, about last night's slate or about tonight's slate, make sure to go ahead in our chat and ask those to me. It helps move the show along, and it's much better than me just babbling on and on about um, no questions, basically. Uh, so, yeah, if you have any questions, anything you want me to discuss, uh, I will gladly do so. Just go into our chat and do that. Uh, but with that said, we'll go and take a look. Uh, here you see my results database tool. One thing I always like to mention when we're looking at a results database tool is this is for DraftKings. Uh, we do not currently support FanDuel. This tool does not just because of their uh, export issues, their data export issues. Uh, so we only have this for DraftKings. So kind of a one-site approach when we're looking at results database, but I'm certainly open to take questions about anything uh, FanDuel construction as well. But let's take a look at uh, DraftKings best lineup on the site last night. And I, I looked at this a little bit earlier and, there was not a whole lot surprising really about this lineup. Um, all guys that were really in play, a couple low owned guys in, in RJ Barrett and, and Gordon Hayward had good games. Hayward especially had a good game. Barrett was pretty good for his price point, but didn't do anything too crazy. But in general, it was kind of the chalk that hit last night or some chalk. Um, Derek White was pretty chalky. Uh, Thomas Bryant was one of the better value plays on the slates. Uh, DeMar DeRozan completely in play. LaMarcus Aldridge was a guy that I was kind of toying around with at that price point, but was somebody I didn't end up with. I think his minutes were a little bit in question returning from uh, uh, returning from injury. So he's somebody that I, I kind of overlooked. Um, I, I did fall in that 6,500 price range in some of my lineups last night, and I kind of rearranged my lineup, unfortunately. But he had a good game at 43.5 points, and I actually didn't see how many minutes he played last night. So I'm going to go take a look at that real quick. Uh, this is our court IQ tool. Um, can look up uh, games from last night. It's good for on and off numbers, that sort of thing. And I like looking at the game flow. So some one thing I do pretty much every day uh, to get caught up on the prior night slate, because I don't always stay up or watch uh, all the games through. Uh, I like to take a look at our uh, game flow uh, tool here on the court IQ tool. Uh, this is free, by the way, so anyone can access this tool. And the game flow just shows us, you know, when these guys play is how, how many minutes they played their stats, all that good stuff. And Aldridge did play for 37 minutes last night. So um, I was a little foolish thinking there could potentially be a minutes restriction returning from injury, which kind of uh, made me a little bit shorter on him than I think the general market, but he ended up with a really good game uh, playing those 36 minutes. And uh, he ended up being, uh, necessary for those winning lineups. Derek White, again, I talked about him a little bit last night. Uh, he ended up with an, a really good game, just shy of uh, a double-double and just shy of a triple-double. He ended up with 35 minutes, so that was huge. Derek White, I believe, last night was a guy that was, his minutes were getting under-projected a little bit, and I did think there were plenty of upside or plenty of upside to his minutes. Uh, so he ended up paying off in a really, really good way. Uh, let's take a look then. We saw what the, the best lineup kind of looked at, looked like last night. 
Let's take a look at some ownership here from last night, see who some of the highest owned players were and how they performed. Uh, we'll just go by the average here real quick. Um, Kobe White, Shaq Harrison, we saw in that top lineup of the night last night. Uh, he was only 5K on DraftKings. He ended up with a, a pretty decent performance, nothing groundbreaking, but a pretty good, strong overall performance. Uh, Russell Westbrook, Robert Covington. Covington's a guy that killed me a little bit. Um, as you see, the fourth highest owned player here on DraftKings last night did not do very well. He wasn't a complete, complete dud, uh, but $25 for his price or 25 points for his price was not good. JaVale McGee, I had, I did not have a good night. Uh, I had these next three guys in my main lineup and it did not end well. Uh, JaVale McGee, Troy Brown. Uh, McGee was somebody who, it was a good matchup, which is kind of why why I settled on on playing him. But in retrospect, he was a guy that whose role was probably not going to really expand, even with Dwight Howard out. Um, and if you thought that was the case, if you thought he was just going to play the same role that he's been playing uh, for pretty much this entire season, then yes, he was an okay value play still, but probably not worthy of this high of ownership. Um, and something that then uh, Dwight Howard being out actually put me on a guy like Anthony Davis, who again, he was pretty underwhelming. I took a look at our court IQ tool yesterday, and I remember uh, it, so what prompted me to look at this. There was a tweet from uh, Mike Gallagher. Gallagher works at Rotowire, um, <clears throat> and he mentioned something about uh, basically when Anthony Davis plays the five, his uh, rates kind of go through the roof. So I wanted to look at that last night and it was pretty clear that he would be play being playing more minutes at the center position with Dwight Howard last night. So I ran the query yesterday and yes, his rates do spike a little bit, um, which is why I was on Anthony Davis in tournaments. I thought he was a guy whose rates um, again are very, very strong when those two guys are off the court and when he's playing the center position, uh, as you see here, he averages 1.7 FanDuel points per minute and 1.62 drafting points per minute in that spot. Uh, and if you look at the per 36-minute production, his FanDuel numbers spike almost eight points and his DraftKings numbers spike almost seven points. So actually, my my main takeaway with Dwight Howard being out last night for tournaments was not necessarily that JaVale McGee is an awesome play, but that uh, Anthony Davis should get more play at the center position and have a better chance to pay off his price tag obviously did not work last night. Uh, but I, I think the process was good there for Anthony Davis and seeing his total overall ownership here at just 23%. I think I'm, I'm pretty happy with that play in general. Let me see here. I'm going to catch up with a few questions in chat. Uh, the Knicks killed me last night. Heat nation says, yeah, I played uh, Julius Randall. It was not good. I know Alfred Payton had just an absolutely terrible game. Uh, thankfully, I didn't play him, but I had a buddy that was on him last night. Um, again, I did not play him, but I know Elf Payton was just brutal. Uh, Julius Randle was tough for me. I played Troy Brown in that that Washington-New York game. Uh, he did not get quite the court time that I expected, and he was pretty underwhelming as well, even though he was cheap. Uh, how important is smash rate? We have a question from Bankroll Theory. For those of you wondering what smash rate is, one way to access our smash rate for the night is you go to our lineup HQ tool. Uh, this is for premium subscribers. Um, it's a very valuable tool. Uh, it's lineup optimizer, but inside the lineup optimizer, we have a bunch of different stats. Uh, one of those stats that we curate is the smash rate. And I'm trying to refresh our page here. My internet might be going a little bit slow here. 
try to refresh the page so we can get a closer look at smash rates. Uh, we'll, I still have it loaded for FanDuel, so we'll take a look here. Um, <clears throat> smash rate is, uh, I'm trying to figure out how to word it. I wouldn't say it's uber important. Um, it's kind of just an additional tool. It's something that I'll look at if I'm struggling to find guys that I like for the night. I'll sort by smash rate and see if there's somebody that I may have overlooked a little bit for whatever reason. Um, and so if you do that by tonight on FanDuel and DraftKings, you get some uh, interesting people to start the day. Uh, Luke is the, the top smash rate on DraftKings, which isn't you know ultimately surprising. Uh, but it is nice to, to sort by that way to see some guys that you might not necessarily initially think of right off the right off your head. So like a Tim Hardaway Jr. is actually rating very well in terms of smash rates. Um, and that is currently because we are projecting Kristaps Porzingis to be out on the second day of a, or second game of a back-to-back. Uh, if Porzingis does play, uh, then you can certainly expect Tim Hardaway Jr. smash rate to go down um, as well as his, his overall projection. Another guy that's popping early that we'll have to monitor injury-wise is Jimmy Butler. Uh, I played him two nights ago um, when he had the 10 uh, fantasy point game. It was not <laughs> very enjoyable. Uh, he left with the toe injury, and I think he's still nursing that toe injury. So he's somebody else we'll have to monitor injury-wise. But yeah, in terms of uh, smash rate, it's something that I don't necessarily use as like a, a core approach to making lineups in my in my daily process. But it is something I will look at if I'm struggling to find um, a lineup that I really really like or a player two that I really like. Uh, Seth says three Spurs will never make you feel comfortable, even though the, th- uh, the three were safe as possible, I guess. Yeah, I agree with that um, sentiment last night. I was uh, a little bit surprised at how strongly DeMar DeRozan was still rating, even with LaMarcus Aldridge back. Uh, he was a guy that I thought was an interesting fade at his projected ownership. Uh, he didn't come in too hot, though, uh, but he he had a good game. Uh, Derek White, again, was the guy that was my favorite option of the bunch. Uh, he wasn't actually as high-owned as I thought here, if I can find his name here. 24% owned, but if you look at cash games, yeah, 28% in the single entry, a double up. So Derek White wasn't as high-owned as I thought uh, he was going to be last night. Came in at a pretty decent ownership number. And again, I think a lot of that had to do with people. So many people create lineups now using um, optimizers, whether it's our optimizers or one of our competitors' optimizers. And last night, if you took a closer look at Derek White's minutes, I think he we had him projected at about 28 minutes, which is not a huge role change from what he's been seeing even with DeJounte Murray. Um, I think that was kind of the consensus is that, you know, even with DeJounte Murray out, they still have a lot of guards that they can play with uh, guys like Patty Mills, et cetera, et cetera. And it was possible that they would just kind of go that route and Derek White wouldn't see a ton of minutes. Uh, But I thought there was some upside on that minute projection, which is why I liked him quite a bit at his price tag. Um, And again, if we go to that game flow tool, we do see Derek White was on the court for for 35 minutes. And some of that may have been that he was just playing extremely well. Uh, Some of that may have been why he was uh, played as many minutes as he did last night. Uh, But that's an important note to to note when you're looking at projections. Don't just look at the final, you know, fantasy point column. Look at the input that is going into those projections. Look at those minutes inputs because if you can find somebody that you think the inputs are low on for whatever reason uh, that may be, then those are guys that you'll want to get exposure to in tournaments because 
uh, that drives uh, uh, this fantasy point column for our site, for our competitor site is really what drives a lot of ownership today. Uh, just because people, again, are just using these lineup optimizers to make their lineups and aren't putting a whole lot of additional thought into it. But if you have the time to comb through these minutes projections, if you have time to comb through the rate projections, uh, there could be some edge here to have, and there might be some diamonds in the rough that you can find. Derek White was not under anyone's radar last night, but again, he was lower owned, I think, than what he probably should have been last night. <clears throat> uh, let's see here. I screwed up and pivoted to Aaron Baines. Uh, Baines did not play last night, I don't believe. Did Baines play last night? Did Phoenix play last night? And I just didn't pay attention. Yeah, I did. Baines is the guy that was killing me. He wasn't even on my radar last night. As you can tell, I was, didn't even play him. Uh, he still got the minutes, 33.83 minutes, 34 minutes of court time. He is a guy that, I mean, his obviously his shooting wasn't going to continue to be sustainable. Uh, so that's something else to look at. At his price tag, um, I'm not even sure what his price tag was last night. Let's check here. Baines on DraftKings. Can we find his price tag? Not seeing it on the ownership links, possibly if we go into one of the contests here. Uh, but I don't think we're going to find his price tag quickly. Uh, but Baines, and he is the guy that you had to, we're buying the top on, uh, which is something I typically do not like to do. Not dissing your, your Baines play last night, Jose, but yeah, uh, buying the top on somebody is something that I typically don't like to do. So you see somebody like Aaron Baines, I'm guessing, I believe he was 5,400 on on Sunday. So I'm guessing he was probably in the 6K range, um, 5,900. Thank you. Um, yeah, he's a guy that his, he was just shooting off the charts uh, the last few games. And that was something I you certainly can't expect to continue for Aaron Baines. I will say the minutes were there for him. Uh, which w was completely okay with DeAndre Aiden still out. But yeah, uh, Baines was not somebody that I was considering overall too closely last night just because I'm not all that interested in buying the top on a lot of these guys. Uh, Alfred Payton stunk it up. Yeah, we talked about that. Na Heat Nation was on uh, Payton and Randall. Randall was the guy that, that really did me in last night as well. Um, Nate also pivoted to Baines for Marquez Chris how did Chris end up last night he was somebody that I was certainly looking into let's see this golden state I ended up with an extremely early heavy lineup in, in terms of all my guys pretty much locking early so I didn't pay a lot of attention to these late games Marquez Chris was somebody that I was certainly looking into uh, looks like a low-end double double um, didn't get a whole lot of court time though um, possibly due to blowout it looks like uh, but yeah, Marquez Chris was somebody that I considered. He ended up with a, an okay game. He was 6K last night on DraftKings. Uh, let's see what he his ownership was last night. I did think Marquez Chris was in play. He ended up with 26.5 DraftKings points. Average ownership was about 20%. Also interested in actually seeing some of this other ownership. I know um, Toscano Anderson was somebody that we were talking about quite a bit in our um, – projections chat rotor runners projections chat last night just because he was somebody that was showing um up in some optimals at one point yesterday and he's somebody whose rates we needed to lower a little bit uh, he was uh unfortunate he he ended up uh, leaving the game due to injury so his his fantasy projection he's he's not going to be a high rates guy but he ended up uh at 10 percent owned or 11 percent owned being a complete bust just because of injury though mostly um Trying to see who else there was from Golden State. Nothing 
popping out too much there in terms of this game log from last night. Somebody that I played, I thought I would get had a chance at decent ownership on was Paul George. Uh, he kind of he had a good game last his last game um, and was looking like he he may re- be returning to his old self. I knew blowout was obviously a huge concern in this game, uh, and then it ended up yeah being being bad. Uh, Paul George only played twenty two minutes last night. He ended up with, I think, mid-20s points. I had 27.25 DraftKings points. He was only 9% owned. He was somebody that I thought was a pretty strong tournament option. Um, Again, his minutes had been trending up. Uh, There was potential that he wasn't going to be getting those minutes because of blowout, but that was something that I was willing to risk in GPP. And he obviously did not turn out for me, unfortunately. Uh, let's see, catching up. Is it smarter to pay down in center and short shooting guard and pay up at power forward and point guard tonight? We'll get to that question a little bit later. I, When it's this early, um, I typically have not looked that closely at specific lineup construction. So it's unlikely something I'll be able to answer during the show, but we'll, we'll certainly take a look at tonight's slate in general uh, at, a, at a glance, at least. Um. <sighs> What would be something that you use for core plays? Uh, this is going back to bankroll theory. He was ma- uh, mentioning smash rate. Uh, so something I'll look at with core plays with, if I'm trying to find them by myself, obviously here on lineup HQ, one thing that you can do is you can filter based on core plays. Uh, means he has a couple up here for tonight. Again, this is under the assumption currently that, uh, Kristaps Porzingis will be sidelined. If that is the case, then uh, means he currently has Maxi Cleaver mentioned. Uh, Thon Maker he has listed as a core play as well, and I'm guessing that has to do with John Henson, who is not expected to play tonight. Uh, so Thon Maker is extremely, extremely cheap on DraftKings. I have to look at him a little bit closer um, to see if I think his role will expand quite as much as what means he's projecting here. Uh, but you can see even if we just sort by um, top point per dollar options, that maker is is the top point per dollar option currently on DraftKings. Uh, that price tag is really, really strong, obviously. And the other thing to look at here is maker is currently only projected at 22 minutes, and he is still rating as one of the top point per dollar plays of the slate, uh, which is why he's rating as such a strong play uh, for Meansy in his core plays. But yeah, something that I'll look at, um, I've mentioned before, uh, sort with means these core plays. Uh, I also like to sort, sort point per dollar. And the other thing that I like to do, and I mentioned this numerous times, and I pretty much mentioned it every time that I do this show. One thing I like to do is I like to, it looks like I reset. I like to build a hundred lineups. Uh, so currently you see, I'll have, I have it set where I'm only building 10 lineups. So something that I like to do is I like to go ahead and build a hundred lineups and see where projections are putting players, how, um, uh, kind of how often or how frequent they're going to be in the optimal lineups. So you can mess with this range of outcomes if you want, if you want something a little bit more random. I typically t- keep it at zero if I'm just doing this kind of morning exercise for myself. Uh, Salary-wise, this is nothing that's going to come into play too closely when you're just doing this, uh, this initial run. Uh, but this is something that I'll just run myself uh, pretty much every morning just to kind of see again – uh, it gives you a good glance at the night slate to see who is rating as some of the top plays on the slate. 
So let's take a look here. Uh, I did run this earlier, but I only ran it with 10 lineups. So I'm running it now with the 100 lineups just to see who's coming in as some of the top plays. I think you'll see a lot of the same stuff, though, early on. Uh, Luca, Thon Maker rating is two of the top plays on the slate. I'm getting them in uh, 100% of the lineups, 89%. Again, if you want to cap uh, how often these guys are in your lineups, you can easily do that with min-max exposure. But I'm just doing this now as kind of an exercise to see who is rating some of the top plays on the slate. Uh, Jimmy Butler, uh, I talked about him earlier for tonight. It's like he's somebody whose injury we're going to have to monitor. Uh, if you look our, at the situation room, the injury report here, uh, Butler is somebody that is currently listed as questionable. Uh, so if Butler does not play, he is somebody that's obviously not going to be in optimal lineups. We'll be looking uh, at different people to fill that void. <clears throat> Let me see. Catching up on ch on chat here. You guys helped me out with my Baines talk. Chris did okay, but again, left early. Okay, so yeah, Chris, it sounds like struggled with injury a little bit last night, which capped his, his production, which is obviously something we can't really predict. Um, missed like eight minutes in his rotation. Um, let me see. What's your mindset on high-end... Uh, single entry GPP. Yeah. So high, high buy-in single entry GPP. Um, you don't have to get too crazy. It's, it's kind of my mindset. There are some guys that I will still try to take some stands on in, in single entry tournaments. Uh, so if there's a guy that I think might see lower ownership than he should have, uh, I'll, I'll make some stands, but I certainly won't be as aggressive as if multi-entering some of the lower dollar stuff, but high end single entry GPP. I'm not uh, overly concerned about eating chalk, um, especially in the majority of my spots. Uh, if I am finding somebody that I like to take a stand on aggressively anyways, or, or just one guy that I want to take a stand on, that's typically enough for me if we're talking about high-end or high uh, buy-in or single-entry GPPs, just because the, the field size and those higher buy-in limits is likely to be pretty small anyways. So I'm not going to get any, I'm not going to get too crazy. Um, but again, I'll take a stance on one guy in, in those single entry tournaments. And then the rest of my lineup, I'm, I'm pretty much okay eating chalk. Uh, let me see. Uh, Roy in chat is saying that he likes the Knicks tonight. So despite last night, and maybe ownership will be lower, but in Kings, Randall more than... So Roy likes uh, Julius Randall tonight more than Zion Williamson. Um, which once we see initial ownership, I think those will be interesting guys to take a look at in terms of projected ownership once we get that out for the night. Um, I know Zion is, is rating is a very strong option on some sites uh, today. Uh, Julius Randle uh, gets to run it back against Atlanta. Obviously, the matchup against Atlanta is uh, extremely, extremely, extremely good. Um, we can look at something that I like to look at and I look at daily from my research um, is NBA.com uh, advanced stats. Uh, they have a spot where you can very easily look at defensive efficiency rating, um, pace stats, that sort of thing. Uh, and if we'll look at uh, pace, uh, you'll be able to see the Hawks have an extremely high pace, uh, seventh highest pace in the league. And then we'll also see their defensive uh, rating is absolutely terrible. Uh, they rate, they have the third worst, uh, defensive rating so when you're looking at matchups like this you'll see you can sort of again by defensive rating we see that the hawks are a very strong matchup in terms of defensive rating um but it's also something you want to 
pair with their pace of play as well. Uh, so a, a team like the Hawks are a little bit easier, better to pick on than a team like the Cavaliers, just because they do play at that faster pace. Other uh, defensive rating numbers are slightly, slightly better, but again, that pace and play uh, helps make those players against the Hawks a little bit more um, attractive uh, to play just because the more possessions obviously means that there are going to be more total fantasy points in the game. A uh, pretty, pretty routine stuff there. Uh, better play tonight. We have the question better play tonight, Gary Harris or Josh Hart. Um, yeah, let's see what we have for our projections on that one. Again, I haven't looked too closely at the slate in general tonight. So it'll be interesting what we have. Uh, Josh Hart rating is an okay value play here on DraftKings per our projections. And then the other guy was Gary Harris um, rating pretty similarly. I will say um, Gary Harris, he's very, uh, he's not a very fun guy to play. Uh, his upside is seems to be extremely limited just because he doesn't shoot the ball a whole lot. He does a whole lot of standing in, in the corner during his minutes. Um, I don't believe there are injury, any injuries, though, with New Orleans, New Orleans, which would result in a role change for uh, for Josh Hart. Uh, Reddick is out for tonight's game, but which will give him a, a little bit more minutes. So, yeah, my, my lean would be Josh Hart just because I think he has a little bit more upside to produce in other categories. But not in love with either, but I would take Hart over, over Gary Harris at this point in time. I like the Elf Barrett combination for tournaments tonight. Yeah, the Knicks again uh, seem to be a pretty decent spot uh, to be looking for tournaments tonight, just because of the pace of that game uh, in uh, in Atlanta against Atlanta. Is there a certain point per dollar floor that you use when creating your player pools? No, um, there is not a point per dollar floor that I use. Um, I mean. Uh, that's within reason there there's not a floor that I set on myself uh, a point per dollar floor that I set mindfully, but I'm also not going to be scrounging for the bottom of the barrel on some of these guys. Um, and if I think a player's projection is currently weak uh, getting, and he's getting a bad point per dollar pr- projection. So let's say I think Donovan Mc- Mitchell is a little bit better play than what we're leading on here. Um, I, I'll go in and change his minutes or something that will then, make his point per dollar floor a little bit better or his point per dollar production a little bit better. But no, there's not something that I would say, Hey, I'm only going to play guys that, you know, rate is 4.8 point per dollar or better. Um, I don't do that. Uh, it is something that I just sort by kind of to start the day to again, see who is rating as some of the top value options on the slate. Are you playing over on FanDuel on the, I'm ashamed. I'm not currently playing on the Roto-Rinder single entry contest. Um, but we do have that, so that's a good plug. Over on FanDuel, we do have the Rotor Grinder Single Entry Contest. I believe it's the $25 price point here um, tonight. I think that's what it's been all week. Um, so that's something that you can go and play. That's something, again, I'm not playing, but it is a, a very, very good tournament to play. Um, and, and some of that single entry tournament strategy that we talked about a little bit earlier is something you can follow uh, in terms of not getting too crazy with your um, – with your build you don't have to get too crazy in terms of uh projected ownership and trying to get uh really low owned guys uh something i will say on fanduel that you can do a little bit more and it's something i've said uh quite often on this show 
FanDuel is a little bit easier just to differentiate your builds in terms of lineup construction because their their lineup construction is a little bit more rigid. Uh, so FanDuel is a little bit easier just to say, hey, I'm going to save, you know, at, at shooting guard today um, where everybody else is spending up, <clears throat> and then I'm going to spend up at a position nobody else is. It really helps on days where the center position has a really clear-cut play uh, because oftentimes when there's a clear-cut center play, uh, you can get off the build quite a bit easily. So, like, let's say tonight that everybody's going to be playing Mitchell Robinson against Atlanta. Let's say that Joel Embiid's not going to be back. Uh, and it really does look like the low-dollar price point is going to pop a lot on, on FanDuel tonight with Mitchell Robinson or if people go down and play, like, uh, uh, Thon Maker, again, we mentioned, is, is a potential tournament, uh, value option. Uh, so again, just because there's not a whole lot rating is really high-end options on FanDuel in terms of the center position today. Jokic is pretty much the only one. I think a lot of builds initially here on FanDuel on for Wednesday slate are going to start with a, a cheaper center position. So immediately what you can do, if, you, if, if that's your read, immediately what you can do to kind of differentiate your lineup construction on FanDuel is spend up on the center position, and that's going to make you reallocate your money elsewhere. The problem on FanDuel is if you kind of go with the chalk lineup build, you're going to end up with a lot of the same plays and the lineup, a lot of the same lineup construction that everybody else is playing. But if you uh, kind of instinctively make that one swap at the position where you think that everybody's going to save and instead pay up at that position, that immediately is going to allow you to uh, kind of find a unique lineup build. Uh, let me see here. Oh. Jamino's in chat telling me that he pushed projected ownership. So we'll go uh, and take a look at projected ownership. Typically, I want to actually take a look at this projected ownership on FanDuel because uh, we were just talking about that center position. Interested to see who's popping as some of the higher priced or some of the better uh, projected options. So again, Mitchell Robinson, unsurprisingly, Top point per dollar option at the position is currently looking to be one of the higher owned options. Um, But again, if Joel Embiid is out, I think he's currently listed as questionable. If Joel Embiid is out, uh, that's just going to reallocate a lot of his projected ownership into some of these other guys. And again, I think that would fill in more of the the lower end options, uh, which would then again make me a little bit more interested in paying up at the position. Uh, for GPP, how do you look at negative RGV and 10 to zero smash rate when eliminating, eliminating players? Do you use a specific rule of thumb when making your player pool with eliminate those players? Uh, Jamino kind of answered that RG value is a good metric. Thinking about GPP floor, the higher RG value, the lower the bust percentage. Uh, so smash is better for ceiling. So yeah, th- this is good with Jamino mentioning Jamino's one of the guys that has done a lot of work uh, on these tools in lineup HQ. So he's kind of the guy with a lot of the knowledge here. Um, and so I'm going to take his word here. Smash rate when we're getting, and this is something we talked about a little bit earlier. Smash rate is, is better for looking at ceiling. Uh, whereas the RG value is a little bit better for looking at for floor. Uh, so that's kind of how you can use those tools. Do you like the buffet line boy for GPP from Denver, Jokic? Man, Jokic, what's up with this guy? Um, couldn't beat the, couldn't put up a decent fantasy game against the uh, the Milwaukee Bucks C squad. 
it was actually a pretty pathetic performance. But yes, I do like him as, as a tournament option. We'll see uh, once projected ownership continues to come throughout the day and where uh, <clears throat> if Joel Embiid plays and how that affects things. Uh, but yeah, I mean, if we're if we're going to get Nikola Jokic at like a seventeen percent on a six game slate on Fanduel, sign me up. Um, and we'll see. You can rate again by like smash rate, um, or even if you rate. Uh, sort by ceiling he's obviously going to have one of if not the highest ceilings at that center position so yes I do like Jokic for uh, tournament options even though he has been uh, pretty frustrating throughout the season uh, do I like Luka Doncic or Trey Young uh, projections are pretty much going to tell you Luka um, and ownership wise it's going to be Luka as well I don't see a big enough projected gap in ownership to say, hey, you should play Trey Young over Luka just because he's projected to be 6, 6% lower owned on FanDuel. Uh, let's see on DraftKings what we have the, as the initial run. Uh, so yeah, FanDuel is where you'll find the bigger gap in ownership projection between Trey Young and Luka. Uh, so if you wanted to, 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 sit, to take a stance and play Trey Young over Luka, uh, the site to do so would be DraftKings because – you're getting that ownership discount on him there. You're, there's there's benefit to fading Luca at that uh, delta uh, projected ownership delta, whereas on Fanduel there's not actually that big of a, a gap projected. Uh, so I, I, projections wise, yes, I sided with with Luca, especially with Kristaps uh, projected to be out. Uh, but I I would have no problem playing Trey Young over Luca uh, in tournaments. Uh, but again, the place I would be more likely to do that on would be on DraftKings where there is expected to be a little bit wider ownership gap, uh, actually pretty significant projected ownership gap. Uh, so Luca is, is going to be extremely high owned on DraftKings. So if, if you, if for some reason you have the stance, Hey, I want to fade Luca tonight, which is not a fun stance to take, but if that is your stance, the site I would do that on would be on, on DraftKings because you're getting the more bang for your buck and doing it there. Your stance is a lot more aggressive on DraftKings than it would be on FanDuel. Um, let me see. We're getting Doncic and Jokic are both going to get triple doubles tonight. Wouldn't be all that surprising. Um, let's see. Catching up on chat. Seth is asking about kind of the rule of thumb for player pool in terms of, in terms of RG value. Again, this is something it's similar to point per dollar floor for me. It's not something that I go in and restrict. Like if, if I'm um, making a player pool or trying to resize my player pool and make it smaller, um, I'm not necessarily going to say, Hey, anybody who's negative RG value, I'm eliminating. Um, some of it is personal preference preference, but you kind of have to go through some of these guys and see if there's um guys you want to take a stand on. So there's no general rule of thumb here. I think it's kind of specific preference. Um, you know, some of these guys you can initially eliminate that are only going to be seeing six minutes, nine minutes. These guys, guys that have no minutes upside whatsoever are guys that I'm going to eliminate pretty much immediately. Uh, but if there are guys that you think, you know, are, are negative RG values, like, but are going to get minutes, I'm probably going to be a little bit more interested in those guys. Um, so it's, yeah, again, it's a little bit personal preference. I'm trying to sort through and see if there's anybody that's getting a pretty negative RG value that I would still have interested in tournaments. Um, there's nobody jumping out on the page at me right now. 
El Horf, I'm Horford's price tag is a little bit too expensive, but he would be a guy that I would still have be fine having some exposure to. <clears throat> Something of note, I know we saw with some of the beat writers reporting that uh, Al Horf, if Joel Embiid is back tonight, that there's still a chance that they run uh, Horford stays in the starting lineup. But his price tag has, has been inflated with Joel Embiid out, which makes him a little bit worse of a point per dollar play. But I would say Horford is still a guy that I would possibly consider having some exposure to in tournaments. And he's a negative RG value. Um, <clears throat> trying to see if there might be another better option. Josh Hart is somebody we talked about a little bit already. He's a, he's a negative RG value. He would be somebody that I would be completely fine having some tournament exposure to as well. So, yeah, I wouldn't say there's, um, you know, a rule of thumb that I go by each slate where if you have negative you know, three RG value or worse, I'm automatically going to exclude you. I think it's really just slate by slate dependent and you're going to kind of have to go through and, and sort through some of these guys yourselves. Um, Jordan McRae is a guy, for example, negative uh, 0.24 RG value. He's a guy that if he winds up getting some minutes, he's going to explode um, just because he's a chucker and we've seen it with uh, Washington already this season. He's a, a guy that's not afraid to shoot. And if he gets hot, he has, you know, legitimate 50 DraftKings point upside uh, if, if he gets hot. Uh, so he's a guy, again, when you're sorting through kind of by our negative RG value, he's somebody that, again, we have projected for only 23, three minutes. That's probably, that, that is reasonable. I don't think you can reasonably project him for many more minutes than that with the current news we have but he is somebody that if he gets hot he's going to see more court time and he can put up points in a hurry uh so he's somebody that i would not be um i would be okay taking a stance on and say hey let's get him up to 25 minutes hey let's get him up to 26 minutes and he's still popping as a really really good rg value at that point and he'll end up basically getting in a lot more optimal lineups if you do that and, and mess around with his minutes projection a little bit. Again, I think a 23 minutes projection for Jordan McCray is, is completely reasonable. Uh, but those guys that have the ability to put up fantasy points in a hurry in a hurry or have very strong point permanent production, those are the guys that I'm a little bit more willing to take a stance on, uh, even if they don't technically rate as a very good play in terms of RG value or point per dollar. Um, what are some things I can incorporate from Slate IQ? I rarely look at it. Am I missing out? Uh, that's a good question. I need to, um, I'm trying to think. I'm seeing if uh, Jamina ran Slate IQ for today, and he did. Uh, so let's go take a look at Slate IQ. Again, with most of our NBA tools, um, it is going to be more valuable to look at uh, the closer we get to the slate just because there are uh, different injury news, different situations that we'll learn about throughout the day that will affect projections and it affects things like slate IQ as well. Uh, so let's see if I can find the link for slate IQ. It might not be posted yet. Uh, we should have it somewhere though. Why can't I find this? I'm looking like a bad uh, employee. Let's go to the all tools tab. It's usually listed here. And it will be a premium as well. Slate IQ articles index and Slate IQ NBA. Uh, so today should be 
slate at QMBA. It's also possible that it hasn't been put up for review yet. Yeah, so this is still yesterday's. It looks like Jamino created the article, um, but typically there's a review process where the editor has to post it live to the site. So I'm guessing that's the issue right now. So this is just looking at yesterday's, for example. Um, one thing you'll notice pretty much on most occasions with Slate IQ uh, that it's going to suggest using a center at the utility position or a point guard. That's nothing new, and that's a pretty good general rule of thumb for when you're creating your lineups, is that with that utility p- position, you typically want guys that are going to be high usage guys, aka point guards, or guys that are you know, going to be high permanent producers or cent- or the center position. Uh, what I like to look at in terms of Slate IQ, what I look at the most typically uh, I like to look at the chalk hit rates, and I also like to look at stacking. Uh, so stacking, I like to look at if there's certain leverage uh, with stacking. Uh, so last night was a 2-3 stack, was kind of one of the recommendations. And I believe, actually, if we go back to results database, the optimal lineup, I believe it was a 3-1 stack that won last night. Let's take a look. The best lineup on the site last night was uh, Derek White, LaMarcus Aldridge, and DeMar DeRozan. Uh, we did not have any Dallas players, though. But if you would have ran that back with, like, a Luka Doncic, you obviously would have had a very, very good start to your lineup. But, yeah, in terms of Slate IQ, something I like to look at is I like to look at the stacking column. I like to look at chalk hit rates. If there's somebody that there is negative leverage on, for instance, um, I like to look in to see why that might be. Um, so last night it wasn't, it looks like we missed a little bit on Thomas Bryant, missed on Troy Brown. Uh, if we would have swapped those, it would have been a little bit better. Um, but I do like to look at those chalk hit rates. Uh, if it's, again, saying that there's negative leverage on somebody, I want to see why that might be. I might look into seeing if there are more paths to failure for that specific player uh, that I might not be looking at in initial glance. Um and I also actually do like to look at uh, stars and scrubs in terms of trying to figure out uh, lineup construction for that night. Uh, so there are a couple of different ways you can look, use Slate IQ. Again, for myself, the main spots that I look at are, are stacking and chalk hit rates. But I also look, like to look at Slate texture um, in terms of lineup construction for that Slate. Um, I am trying to figure out, let's see, I missed my spots. I'm trying to figure out the best way to use lineup HQ for GPP over on FanDuel and determining the must play so that I can uh, differentiate in one or two spots. Can you walk through that process? Yeah, that's great. Um, Let's go to lineup HQ on FanDuel and walk through this a little bit. And again, this will... I'm not sure we have – yeah, we do have GPP tags up. STL is one of the, the guys that gets all of his stuff up early, so we have no problem with lineup HQ tags here uh, in terms of tournament options. Um, I like to look and filter based on GPP pool and see what if there's somebody that uh, that specific expert is looking at that I may have missed, but I'm not going to let that uh, completely form my GPP pool. Like I'm not going to say, okay – this is the the guys that STL cards ranked or uh, marked as GPP options. I'm not going to leave my player pool to, to only this. There's certainly, you can expand beyond that, especially if you're looking at single entry tournaments or looking at just differentiating by one or two spots. Uh, so again, something that I like to do uh, every single site or for FanDuel and DraftKings 
um, is build those top 100 lineups. And I do this for cash games. I do this, again, just as a way to kind of get a grasp on the slate for that specific site. Um, can see who is who are rating as some of the top plays uh, for both tournaments and whatnot. <clears throat> and some of this is feel as well. Uh, so again, early on, we're going to see that Luke is rating as the top, one of the top plays on the slate. Uh, we're going to see that Jimmy Butler is rating on one of the top plays on the slate. And that is somebody that we're probably going to have to pivot off of, or depending on injury news, we may have to pivot off of. Uh, so again, this kind of gives me some slate texture to start. Um, allows me to see what the preferred lineup construction based on our projections is. Again, the preferred lineup construction currently is to save at the center position. Uh, so immediately there, if I think Mitchell Robinson is potentially a slightly thin play, uh, despite it being a good matchup, uh, that might be somebody, somewhere that I immediately want to differentiate myself. Uh, so let's take a look at if we run optimal lineups with uh, Luka or Nikola Jokic locked in. Let's see what dis, uh, what the disbursement is here for these lineups now if we go up and pay at center. Let's see what positions we're uh, saving down at. And this will allow you to see who, again, will be rating as some of the top overall plays. I'm guessing we'll st still see a ton of Luka. Uh, and we do see still see a tongue in the of Luca, even if we're paying up at the center position. So what this is showing us is we're paying up, we're deciding to pay up at the center position, but we're not going to sacrifice Luca uh, because we still think he's such a really really strong option that we don't want to sacrifice Luca no matter what our lineup construction is. So what are we going to sacrifice instead? It looks like if you go back to our build two, uh, the main sacrifice is we're going to save a little bit more money at the small forward position. Uh, we're not as interested as paying 5700 for uh, Will Barton when we're, we're paying up. We're not as interested in playing Tim Hardaway Jr. at 6K. Uh, so that tells me immediately that, at least projections-wise, we think the small forward position is the position that has the, little, has the most wiggle room in terms of guys that might not be rating as overly strong plays. Uh, so if I'm thinking from a tournament perspective, what I might want to do is, again, Spend up at the center position because I think that might be a little bit unique path to lineup construction on Fanduel tonight. So if I want to spend up at the center position, what position do I want to save at then or find potentially plays that are going to be a little bit pivots off of some higher owned options? Again, that seems to be on first glance just from running lineups with Nikola Jokic locked in. It seems to be that small forward is the position then that I can get a little bit more unique at. Um, again, I, th I do think Tim Hardaway Jr. is a strong play in general, just because uh, if Kristaps is out. But this is a position that we might be a little bit more comfortable saving money at. So again, Dorian Finney-Smith was the guy that rated as one of the top plays in that Luka lineup, or with that Nikola Jokic locked-in lineup. But then I can also look at some potential other cheap options at that position. Uh, so that's a decent way to use lineup HQ to kind of get a grasp on where ownership's going to be, where exposures are going to be, who are some of the top plays from a point per dollar perspective, who are really strong overall options, regardless of if you're going to spend at a certain position or not. Another option that you could do if you were interested in uh, would be, let's see if what we get when we fade Luca and run a top 100 lineups just to, is a kind of an experiment again to kind of get a little bit better picture on what the player pool looks like today. So I'm guessing we're just going to end up getting Trey Young 
basically in the, in the top optimum lineups. So it's still going to end up with a lot of the same lineup construction. And I was wrong. So here, this is kind of valuable to note. Um, so if we do not go Luca, it actually forgoes Trey Young and goes down to the De'Aaron Fox range into that De'Aaron Fox pool, which is somebody that, again, Fox is someone that did not really light up when we ran our first build. Let's go back here to our first build. Let's go look at the point guard position. Fox was only showing up in 16% of the lineups. In our second build, Fox was showing up in just 12% of the lineups. And now that we get Luke out of the way, Fox is showing up in 58% of the lineups. And if you see here, actually, uh, Fox is somebody that means he has listed as a core play. So that immediately puts me uh, puts Fox on the page as somebody that I want to look at closer or more closely. Um, why does Meansy think he's a core play and why do our projections not necessarily like him all that much? Um, he's rating as a pretty decent option. So it's not that projections don't like him per se. It's that projections like Luka Doncic so much that he's automatically taking up a spot. And they also like Alfred Payton a lot. So honestly, in this spot, what I would do is not necessarily would I lock out, exclude Luca, who I think is a really good option tonight. But something I might do in this spot then is we're seeing, again, Elf is rated as an extremely, extremely high play for us. Uh, we saw his downside last night uh, immediately. Uh, so what I might do actually in this spot then is let's lock in Luca. Let's lock in Fox. Um and even let's lock in Jokic just to see what we end up with um, and see if we can come up with a viable lineup that has that lineup construction uh, where we're not sacrificing too much if we do, if we go this route. Um, and I will say this is pretty valuable in terms of the point guard position to, to see that um, Peyton's the guy that we might want to get off and off of in tournaments uh, at 40% projected ownership. Uh, and we still have extremely strong, other options at the point guard position, but they're just not coming into our optimal lineups just because we do think both Peyton and Luka Doncic are just really, really strong overall plays. So let's run it here. And yeah, I mean, this is, this is not bad lineup construction here. The, the biggest thing that you'll see right away and the biggest sacrifice that we'll see that we're making if we, go with this lineup construction with paying up at, at De'Aaron Fox and paying up at, at Nikola Jokic is that we're going to be sacrificing Zion. Um, Zion seems to be the immediate sacrifice. If we go this route, um, he's down to 6% of the, the top 100 lineups. If we go this route. So if Zion, somebody that you really want into your lineups, um, you can look into it. And another note, again, Jimmy Butler currently questionable. Let's take Jimmy Butler out and see if we get Zion back in. Uh, and this would be an interesting lineup construction for me with, with what we currently have then would be potentially play De'Aaron Fox, play Luka Doncic, play Nikola Jokic, um, and then uh, save at the shooting guard position. And that's what it's going to do. So yeah, this, this is a really, really strong overall lineup um, coming up as lineup number two. Lineup number one, let's see. And lineup number one's an interesting lineup too with, with Julius Randle and Bijalika, uh, that is a little bit more unique of lineup than I think what we'll have here is our lineup two. Uh, I actually like that lineup two quite a bit um, if we're looking at things here. 
in terms of De'Aaron Fox, Luke Doncic, R.J. Barrett, R.J. Barrett, Josh Richardson. Again, this is a unique line of construction currently with where things sit at, you know, noon Eastern time. If Jimmy Butler gets ruled out, this is probably going to be a little bit more common of lineup construction than, than what we're currently sitting with. So you may have to experiment from, from here. Uh, but I do like this. Um, and that kind of shows you how you can kind of fiddle with lineup HQ to get what you want. Um, and, and adding that amount of um, manipulation that you're using manipulation that you're putting in is automatically going to give you some unique builds. Um, a lot of people today uh, with multi-entry tournaments, all they're doing is they're not manipulating their their player pool by putting more minutes to, to a specific player. They're not using that min-max exposure. All they're doing is basically running lineups, uh, top 150 lineups and putting those in. So if, if you get into lineup HQ uh, and you manipulate it in terms of your build rules, but also if you just manipulate just by using some of these lock buttons and exclude buttons just to see different lineup construction combinations. I think that's a good way to kind of get a, a better feel for the slate and a better feel for what you want to do um, in tournaments and where you can stake, take stances in tournaments. Um, I'll catch up with a couple questions. I, I went on a really long rant, so I'm, I'm, I have a lot to catch up with. Um, so I'll catch up with a couple questions. I'm going to read through here and then we'll call it a night. Um, let me see here if there's anything. What do you feel like is the most common mistake rookies make while playing DFS big entry GPPs? Um, that's a that's a good question. Offhand, I, there's probably a better answer than I have offhand. Offhand, I think um, probably the biggest common rookie mistake is people think they have to get completely, completely crazy in all spots. I think people think, hey, I have to have, you know, a guy lower than lower than 10% owned at every single lineup spot. And that's just not the case. Um, yes, you're going to have to take some stands, but you don't have to get too crazy. Um, let me see. See if there's any other questions. Again, I'm, I'm sorry for that long rant, but I think I think hopefully that was helpful as, as a potential way to play around with lineup HQ. Yeah, not a ton of other questions here. Um, the last one I'll take, uh, Savion just just asked this in chat. This is the last question I'll, ch- I'll, I'll take, then I'll call it a day here for the pregame show. Um, do you think a Hawks-Knicks stack will be worth it in GPP tonight? Um, I think it's an interesting game to stack. Um, obviously, we like the pace that the Hawks play at. The Knicks play at a little bit slower pace, which – isn't all that attractive. Let's see where we find New York here. Yeah, the Knicks play all the way here at one of the slowest paces in the league, uh, seventh slowest pace in the league. So the Knicks can slow the pace down. I, I think there are pieces here where you could reasonably play uh, a Hawks and Knicks stack. Um, and I think the biggest note to make if you are playing a Hawks and Knicks stack is that you're not allocating too much salary to that stack. Um, so when I say something like that, let's look at DraftKings here. Let's look at the Hawks and Knicks players specifically on DraftKings. So I do like players and I do like pieces from this game. Something that I would not do if I am playing a Hawks and Knicks stack, I would not play John Collins and Trey Young together. And I would not play them 
yeah, but that's basically it. I would not play John Collins and Trey Young together just because that is so much salary that you're allocating to two players from the same team. And there's inherently some cannibalism there. Um, there's some negative correlation with those two. To the extent, I'm not currently sure what exactly the, their negative correlation would be. But that is so much to invest in two players from the same team. Uh, that is not something that I would do. But I would certainly be okay playing like a Trey Young by himself and then running it back with the Julius Randle and an Elf Payton. Um, in general, though, with this get this Hawks next game, I, I think I'm probably not overly excited about running. Um, you know, a multiplayer stack in this game. I, I think my preferred stack here would be a 1v1 stack or a, or a 2 1 stack with those two players being from the, the Knicks. But that's about it. There's no guy here that I'm all uh, overly excited about from a value perspective. Uh, so if, if I'm running a 2 1 stack, it would be like an Alf Payton, Julius Randle. But I'm also completely fine running just like a Trey Young, Julius Randle lineup or a, or a John Collins, Julius Randle lineup. So yeah, that, that was the last question that I wanted to take in chat. We're, we're kind of up with time here. Um, I, even though I went on that long rant, I, I hope that was, that was valuable. Again, appreciate all the lineup or all the questions you gave me in chat. Helps make the show go by a little bit more smoothly. I'll be back next week on Wednesday uh, with more information for you with another pregame show. Uh, make sure to keep an eye on the remaining content we have coming out on uh, Road Grinders today. Uh, we have a couple of shows coming up with um, uh, Crunch Time as well as Premium is one of our premium shows. So make sure to check out all that. We have some free shows as well that you can check out if you are not yet a premium subscriber. Uh, but that's going to do it here for me today in terms of the pregame show. Again, I'll be back next week. And thank you for your participation. Mm -hmm.